0: Is Lord. Good morning. Um, before Eddie comes up here and ministers, I just want to, uh, we're continuing to, to stand in solidarity with Israel. How many know that's important? Um, when you walk in that city, you can sense demonic strongholds all around the, the city of Jerusalem. And it's the only place um, that God has said, pray for the peace of that city. And uh, there are like Demonic forces hate that city, and a lot of you don't understand that in the people of Israel because so many promises of the Bible um, depend on Israel. How many know that to be true? And so God has promised things through Israel so the enemy would love nothing more than to destroy those people, which if you look through history, we've had times where many times where they've tried to destroy the Jewish people uh, off of the face of the earth, and if you hear the um, words, if you just listen to the the words of the people that live around Israel, um, very regularly those words are, we want to wipe them off the map completely, and um, they don't even make any excuses about that, that is exactly um, what many around them want to do, just like a bunch of hungry wolves, and uh, how many know that um, we're in the same boat um, there are demonic forces, and the Bible says it's not people, not flesh and blood, but it's demonic forces working through people. And uh, they're all around us too, like hungry wolves, you know, all of these organizations that are against Christians. And I know a lot of you sense that, but we're right there with them. And so we're in solidarity with them. But guess what? The Lord was telling me this morning in the Scripture, it says that uh, He has prepared a table in the presence of our enemies. You know what that means? That's like God's so unconcerned about the power of the enemy that he says, let's have a picnic right here. Let's just spread a table out here and let's have a casual lunch because the enemy doesn't have the power um, over us. God's protecting Israel. God is protecting us. And uh, so we're going to stand in solidarity with Israel. How many know it's a critical time right now the, the international community um, is opposed to anything they do to defend themselves and so it takes a great amount of wisdom even to defend yourself so brother bob we're going to come up and each week we're going to continue to stand in solidarity how many you remember uh, brother linden with uh, christians united for israel the largest grassroots organization um, we're standing in solidarity with pastors all over the country and all over the world for israel so brother bob won't you lead us
1: Lord, we just thank you, first of all, for your sweet, sweet presence here this morning, Lord. Uh, I thank you that you have placed within our hearts a love for your beloved, for the apple of your eye, Israel, Lord. And so our heart aches for what's going on over there right now. And we long for you to move in that nation. We long for the one new man. We long for our brothers and sisters that are not saved yet, but they're coming, Lord. We pray right now for your protection of Israel, Lord that you would surround them. They're surrounded by their by their enemies, that you promise one day to fight for them, Lord, even out of heaven, Lord, and we long for that, Lord. But right now, we pray in agreement with your word, and you promise that if we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, you'll prosper us. You prosper those who love you. So we come now in agreement as the body of Christ at Wellspring, and we ask for your protection, your blessing, and guidance of Israel, and we'll give you the glory for that. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.
2: Good morning, everybody. You know, there used to be a time when we had worship like that, that afterwards I'd be kind of nervous about getting up and speaking, because I thought, man, how do you follow something up like that? But uh, not anymore. Now I'm at the point of, if the Holy Spirit shows up like that, if I just get out of the way, He'll do what He has to do. So that's, uh, that's what we want to do today. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to share a quick quote that I got this morning before the service that I want you to listen to and I want you to remember because it's a timely quote that could only have came today. Dorothy told me before the service, there's nothing that Satan can do that God cannot undo. Right? She didn't even, she wouldn't even know when she was making a quote. She just said it because she believes it. And if we believe that, God can really show off. I believe it. I believe it. It uh, When we turn everything over to the God who's in charge, things happen. You know, even before we had a a prayer group here, we had a Dorothy who was praying. And that's the truth. And it, uh, I know Dave and Lisa will tell you we had Dorothy praying for us over and over. And uh, we had a lot of people. We had Yank and Sharon used to. We had people who were just coming in prayer. I wouldn't be here probably in this position if I didn't have people like Dorothy praying for me. And uh, it takes those things. It takes us being in prayer to line up with God's will. So uh, I want to just say that. So we're going to start in Isaiah 61. Um, And this message is going to be called Dress for Success. Pastor Chad last week talked about, are we a good fight? And... uh, and that was a great word. I uh it makes you think, right, like, am I a good fight? Am I somebody who Satan looks at and says, Wow, you know, I don't really want to go against him, or maybe this one's gonna be harder than I think, or or you know, I don't wanna be like the seven sons of skiva that that thought like, Hey, I'm ready and then go in and get beat down, right? I wanna walk in and and I wanna give give the good fight and uh but but sometimes you gotta be dress for battle, right? You got to be prepared. So uh, Isaiah 61, um, there's a lot of scripture today. So uh, well, we'll see. God might cut some out. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim good news to the poor. And that word poor is not like those who have no money. That's those who are poor in spirit, those who are lacking, right? That's who the good news is for. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the, pri- for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. I love that stuff. This is, this is what God promised us, all these things. It says, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to to bestow on them a crown of beauty. I'm going to reread that. To bestow on them a crown of beauty. That is not a crown of ourselves. That is not a crown of anything else. That is a crown of beauty that comes from Jesus Christ. It's bestowed upon us, right? Instead of ashes. And a lot of times that ashes in the Bible, people read it and they pass over it because they don't quite understand it. We know Ash Wednesday. We know things like that. Um, That is, Ashes were used to show grief and and repentance, right? So whenever they would have... um, burnt offerings, things such as that, and you were sorrowful and you were just broken, you would heap ashes upon yourself in, in repentance. And it's the same. We don't have to do that because the crown, uh, the beautiful crown has been bestowed upon us, right? We don't have to heap ashes on ourselves anymore. We repent and we move on. And we don't have to go through what they used to go through. Uh, the oil of joy instead of mourning and I want to remind you, it says the oil of joy, not the oil of happiness. A lot of times, you know, in our nation, we're, we're in the pursuit of happiness. Let me tell you, do not pursue happiness. That is the dumbest pursuit in the world. It, uh, anybody who's like, I just want to be happy. Well, stop trying to be happy. It's misery. That's what you're going to have. Happiness is the root of happiness. The word is hap and it actually means luck or chance. It's just random, right? That's what you're searching for, something that's, I got lucky or I, I, it was a chance happening. And that's the root also, happening. It's something that just happens. Joy is something that lasts, it comes only from the Lord, right? There's no chance in it, there's no luck in it. Your circumstances don't dictate it. It comes straight from the Lord and it's yours. So don't ever think like I want to be happy because if you're happy, you're also going to be sad and miserable. And it'll come and it'll go. But joy stays. And I want you to listen to this part. It says, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. It says a garment of praise. It doesn't say a a, uh, a spirit of praise. It doesn't say a... a uh, Situation of praise says a garment of praise which implies to me it's something that you put on right praise is something you put on instead of a spirit of despair how many people know that there's a lot of people who wake up in the morning and they put on a spirit of despair and they don't put on a garment of praise right and I'll tell you how you'll know kind of where you relate when you wake up let's say you wake up and your AC's off and it ain't working, and it's really hot in your house, would you be quick to complain about it? Other than whenever you wake up in the morning and your AC's working and you just take it for granted and you're never like, Man, I'm so grateful my AC works. Right? We usually will complain far quicker than we praise what we have. Right? We don't praise God for what we have, we just expect it to come. Because that's the kind of people we are. We just we're entitled. Right, We want our stuff, and it should be there, and, and I'm not going to really think about it until it's gone, and then I'm going to complain. And that's what we do often, really often we do that. Uh, they will be called oaks of righteousness. Whew, I want to be an oak of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. That's a good chapter. Uh, so, I want to talk about these things. I want to talk about dressing for success. I want to talk about uh, where I feel like God wants us to, to be. So, uh, before we get into it, I want to pray. So, Father God, I thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for just showing up so powerfully this morning, Lord. Thank you for letting us be in your presence to worship with you and in you, Lord, and to just praise who you are, God. You, you have been so good to us, Lord. You've been so much better to us than we deserve, Lord. You provide all of our needs and even our wants, Lord. So, Lord, I pray today that you would just get me out of your way, Lord. You would continue to speak to us and continue to minister to each of us, Lord, and let us not be unchanged when we leave here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Josh Turner, and I probably should have asked him. He ain't going to mind if I share this. Uh, Josh Turner used to help me with youth group several years back, right? And and our youth kids loved him. Josh is fun, right? He's the kind of guy that if there's going to be a game played, you were going to enjoy him. You're going to just, he was a great time. When he walked in, there was a presence that kids just loved to be around. And then Josh decided he wanted to become a, a Kentucky State Trooper. Actually, I feel like he was called to be a Kentucky State Trooper. I should say that. So he went into preparation for that, and he, he wasn't able to make it to youth group anymore. And He continued uh, his preparation. He went to, to school uh, to become a Kentucky State Trooper, and he became a really good Kentucky State Trooper. The thing is, is, he still wasn't able to make it back to youth group because then he went and worked second shift as a Kentucky State Trooper. But a couple years later, his wife, who was still helping with the youth group, was in here, and on a Monday night on youth group, Josh comes walking in while on duty. And when he walks through the door, he's expecting this this great reception because the kids always loved him, right? They just thought, man, this is our guy. So when he walked in, he was expecting that. Instead, when he walked in, the first thing that happens is is about two-thirds of the kids stop and they stare at him with either a questioning uh, glance or a fear, glance at him, because in that time period, a lot of the kids that knew him had grown up, but we had a whole new group of kids, and the kids we had in the youth group are usually not church kids. So when they saw a state trooper walk through the door, the first thing they thought was, uh-oh, what's going on, right? That was their first thought, and every time I see him, we always laugh about that very thing of when he walked back in. But he walked in, and he was in his uniform, right? He was... Uh, Joshua walks under the authority of the Kentucky State law all times, not just when he's in uniform, but when he walks in the, in the building in his uniform, it's easy to recognize his authority, right? They noticed it immediately. And uh, some were in fear because they've never had a good run-in with the law. They have family members that didn't have good running in law. Some people were thinking like, uh-oh, somebody's in trouble. Those who knew him were glad, glad to see him, right? And that's the way that worked with Josh. But how many of you know that if Josh came in that day, even though he was in under the authority of the law of Kentucky, but he was in just regular civilian clothes, they probably wouldn't have paid much attention to him. They may have thought like there's something different about that guy, but there wouldn't have been a fear in him. They may have looked and just walked away. Or if Joshua would have came in and he had his pants on, his, his trooper pants on and his hat, but then he had like some, his, his really comfortable t-shirt on, his favorite t-shirt to wear, they probably would have been thinking like, what's going on? They would have looked at him different, right? Or if he came in and he had the shirt on and he had the badge on and he had the hat on, but then he had like his comfortable sweatpants and he walks through the door, everybody's going to be like, there's something off about that guy. And it limits his authority whenever he's looking not the part, right? So when Josh walks in, that's the case. What if I would have done the same thing and I grabbed Josh's uniform and I walked through that building, people may, right through the door, people may have looked at me and thought, hey, that guy, state trooper, but the truth is I didn't have the authority he had. So I could have looked the part and not be the part, and he could have been the part and not looked the part. And neither one of us would have got any respect, right? So that's what I want to talk about, uh, how sometimes we don't look the part. We have all authority put upon us by God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ, but we don't always look the part. We're not always dressed the way that people, whenever they see us, think like there's something about that person. And sometimes they're like, yeah, I think they might be a representation of Christ, but I'm not sure. Right? The kind of people we want to be is when we walk into a room immediately, people are like, "Whoa!" something about that person and that attention's there. We want, that, we want to walk in authority the way Josh did when he came to that door and those who weren't right were like, whoa, there's something up here. Right? Genesis 1 And I always love Genesis 1, uh, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. Therefore we are made in the image of God. We are in His image. The, uh, The very word image there is steklem. It means likeness, resemblance, or it can also mean the representative figure. So you're a representation of God here on earth. I believe the reason why whenever an animal, and you go out into the woods, looks at you different than anything else, even animals that see humans regularly, they still look at humans different, I believe it's because we are still that image of God to them. They see it. They see that we're different. And that's the way it should always be, right? Because we were created to be His representatives. We were created in His image. It says, uh, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish and the seas and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. And that's, uh, that's actually a different thing to make from created and... And make those actually, if you if you read them, if you look at the Strong's, those are two different words for create and make in those in those verses between twenty six and twenty seven. That's not the same word. It's two different words. If you read it in the Young's Literal Translation, the top one would say make or create, and actually in verse twenty seven, it actually says prepared. So, so God prepared mankind in His own image, in the image of God He prepared them, male and female He prepared them. So from the beginning, they were prepared to rule this world, right? Sometimes we lose that because we take it to create or make, but they had all authority. They were prepared to do what they were supposed to do. They weren't here, put here ill-prepared. And sometimes people ask that question of why would God put Adam and Eve here when they weren't even ready for what they were, they were doing? They couldn't stand up to Satan. No, they were prepared. They were walking under the very authority of Jesus Christ and God. They were prepared. They just blew it, just like we do, right? They were prepared. If you go to Genesis 2.25, and this is going to be a quick meeting and you don't actually have to, and if you want these notes, I'll send them to you. It says, and the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. So they were prepared by God, but it wasn't because they had a badge or any clothes on, because they didn't have any clothes. But they weren't ashamed either. They weren't ashamed of who they were. They knew who they were. They understood. And I want you to think about that part. Are you ever ashamed of your authority? Are you ever ashamed of God? Are you ever ashamed of who you are? They weren't at that moment. But in Genesis 3 6, it starts to change, and that's whenever it says, The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. You guys ever heard like, uh, heard like a good thing of gossip or maybe, uh, a good conspiracy theory or or something that somebody comes to you and shares with you and you're not sure it's true, but immediately you feel like your eyes are open to something new. That's where they're at, right? They're at this point of, whoo, something new, right? And that, and that's what we do. We do that same thing. Like We experience something we probably shouldn't be experiencing and our eyes are open to something that we should have never even seen. You know, I, I'm sure... Probably all of us, but I know for guys, you remember the first time you ever seen a, a woman naked. Whether it be on a movie, on, in a picture, or whatever, immediately your eyes are open to it. Right? You remember. That's where they were at. It said, and they realized they were naked. At that moment, they immediately became ashamed. Immediately. Nobody ever has to tell you usually that you've done wrong. You just know it. Right? You've entered into a place of shame and you're not where you should be. So they sold fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So now you're trying to cover it yourself. Right? Because you've messed up, we've done something we didn't, and then immediately you've got to cover that. We all know the first thing you want to do when you sin is not go tell people you want to cover it up. As Christians, we fight through that, and then we want to go confess it, right? But immediately, it's like, hey, I've got to cover this up. I don't want anybody to see what I just did. <coughs> then a the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Some of you guys know that's probably the scariest moment ever in the history of ever. Because for us, remember when you did something wrong and your parents were walking into your room and the whole time you're thinking, "Oh, oh my goodness, I'm about to get caught. And you thought your heart was going to explode, you were fearful. And that's your parents, that ain't God. right? God in the presence, Jesus is walking to them right after they just made the very first sin ever. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You know, if they would have recognized who they were in that moment, they probably wouldn't have done all that. They probably would have just kept saying, Hey, Lord, man, we messed up. But they didn't. They said, But the Lord called the man and said, Where are you? And I've preached that before, and I'm not going to go into that, but that's a huge question. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So in other words, you're saying I'm ashamed of who I am. I had to hide because I was ashamed. Because they weren't ashamed just one chapter before. I don't know how many years or days or months or that was, but they weren't ashamed. But then they got ashamed. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now I want you to see that. It's very important to remember God never told them they were naked. God never told them to be ashamed. They figured that out on their own. It was never a word from God. It's because their eyes were open to stuff that wasn't even real. Isaiah 64, uh, verse 4, and we shared this in uh the... No, this ain't... Yeah, we shared this in prayer the other week, and this... This is a good verse, a good chapter. And it says, Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. Boy, what if they just waited in the garden and said, hey, God, this is what that serpent told me. What if they would have just asked Him? Is this true? Is it okay? But they didn't wait because... As humans, we're impatient and we're like, hey, yeah, maybe you're right, right? Even sometimes when God tells us something, we're not patient enough to wait, right? We just want to jump right into it. We don't wait. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways, but when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? That's a big question. How then can we be saved? How many times have you you sat around thinking like, how can I make this better? Oh my goodness, how can I stop doing what I'm doing? And you start asking this question of how you can take care of your problems. Right? Right? All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Now, most of us know that word filthy rags means menstrual rags. And I want you to think about your righteous acts, the things you do good on your own, as menstrual rags. Would you be proud of them? Here's what I'll tell you about menstrual rags, and and I'm not going to get too deep in it. Nobody really wants to think about that stuff. That's the way our righteous acts are. You don't want to think about it, right? No woman has ever thought, like, I hope somebody sees my menstrual rags. And no man ever said, I want to go see some menstrual rags. (laughs) That's your righteous acts. Why do we wave our righteous acts and things we do on our own around for people to see? If that's the way God sees it, we shouldn't. We shouldn't be proud of them, but also, we should probably not even have them. We should be looking to God's righteous acts, right? Sometimes we're trying to clothe ourselves in our own righteousness instead of clothing ourselves in God's righteousness. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be clothed in menstrual rags. I don't want to be, I don't know, I just, people will avoid you, that'd be one good thing, it'd be a good defense. We're all shriveled up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay a hold of you. Boy, that goes right back to the fact of Adam and Eve could have called on his name, but they didn't. Even after they sinned, they went and they hid, because that's what we do right away. We want to hide. Don't want anybody to know we're messed up. We don't call on his name. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. And He does that. How many of you know if you're hiding, He ain't going to go force you to come out of hiding. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the works of your hand. That goes all the way back from the beginning. We are the ones He created in His image. We are His created representatives. We are the, the very likely, likeness of Jesus, of God. And if we surrender to Him, then He can put us right back to where we need to be. He can create us into what He needs us to be. Because He's the potter, and He can take all that, pull the muck and the ugliness out of it and all the, the bad stuff, and get it back to being a beautiful thing, right? Right? but he's the only one that can do it. So do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. And this goes back to remembering how you should be dressed. Right? Like I said, if if I would have came in with Josh's uniform on, first it would have been against the law. Just like it's, pretty much frowned upon to call yourself a Christian without actually truly being a follower of Christ. But I also had no authority in that. And if Joshua came in dressed in weird ways, nobody's going to recognize his authority either. He'll probably get reprimanded. If he's out doing duty in the wrong uniform, he'll probably even get fired. Right? But we try to just walk through the through life sometimes not the way we should be. Right? We wrap ourselves in our minstrel rags and we're like, I'm alright. And then people are like, you're disgusting. People recognize that. If you walk into your job and you tell people you're a Christian and you're not acting the way Christ acted, trust me, they recognize. They recognize. But when you walk into somewhere and you're acting the way Christ acts, you don't have to tell them you're a Christian. They know you are a Christian. They recognize it. We've all been around people, and you're like, I, I connect with that person. There's something about that person. And it happens quickly because you guys are under the same authority. And they didn't even have to tell you, but you recognize by the way they're dressed. Because they're dressing God's righteousness, not in their filthy rags. See that? I said filthy rags this time instead of the other. Galatians 5 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit... What is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. I was telling the prayer team Thursday night that I show up to work on Monday morning. I'm praying on the way, and the whole day, like, well, early in the morning, I just feel like there's this fight in me. I don't know what it is. There's something missing, right? I wasn't where I should be. And I don't even remember doing anything wrong, but something, I just wasn't where the Holy Spirit wanted me to be. Right, the Holy Spirit, and that wasn't mean I wasn't supposed to be at work. It meant spiritually, I was, I was lacking. I I don't remember doing anything wrong. What I do remember, though, is I wasn't inviting God to take over my life, and I wasn't submitting to where He had me. I wasn't. My whole thoughts and processes weren't based on Him. After a while, we just go through the motions. After a while, I can wake up and make a pretty good effort of trying to be the good Christian person without ever having God be a part of it. And there's that conflict. God won't honor that. He never honors not being a part of your life, but He will honor whenever you say, hey Lord, I submit to you, what do you want to do? And then watch what He can do. Sometimes it's what you're planning to do, only it's fruitful, and other times it's completely different. But He'll be a part of it, and there won't be that that fight within you because you're submitted. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. I like that. The law says, hey, you've failed, you're going to hell. That's what the law says. But when we're saved and we have the Holy Spirit guiding us, God said, this one's mine, and I've already paid the price for him. Amen. Right? That's the way you walk. You don't try to earn it. You don't try to say, man, i got to do good today. You say, I'm God's. I belong to Jesus Christ. He paid the price, and then you start living how Jesus wants you to live. Because he died for you, maybe you die for him. Pastor Chad shares it over and over here lately that, All God asks for you is everything. Just give your life to Him, and that's all He's asking. That's an easy thing, really. If you're willing to do it, and then you just say, Hey God, I'm all yours. Do what you want to do. Then you're walking in His righteousness, and whatever happens isn't on you. The acts of the flesh are obvious. These are ones I want you to think about here. The acts of the flesh are obvious, and some of these we're going to look at and we're going to be like, I'm not that bad at that. Be careful. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Debauchery. idolatry, Witchcraft. Hatred. Discord. Jealousy. Fits of rage. Selfish ambition. Dissensions. Factions. And envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, man, you look at those errors there's, there's a lot of stuff in there, and some of it you might be like i got really i'm pretty good at that, but then I want you to think about where your mindset is on things. I want you to look at these and think about uh as Pastor Chad said last week. And and we shared in a prayer group for the past few weeks also that just because you stop doing something doesn't mean you're right. It has to be replaced with what's right. Right? And that's how you overcome sin. It's not to just stop doing something. It's to start doing what's right. To allow God to do what's right. So, So I can say I'm not jealous. But if I'm not out actually... Being excited for somebody else being blessed. My heart's probably not in the right place. Right? If the guy at work gets promoted over me. And I'm wanting that promotion. If I'm not as excited for him. And not fake excitement. Don't go in and act like you're excited for somebody when you're not. You're still jealous whenever you're sitting there and be like. It should have been mine. And I can't believe they got it. and No. You need to be praising for that. You need to be excited for that. You need to start having the Spirit of Christ. And if you struggle with it, don't say, well, I failed at that. No, you start praying for it. Lord, I need you in this. I need you to give me the the mercy and the grace for this person. I need you to give me the encouragement to help these people. And those are the things that if you go back to that garment of praise that you put on in the morning, you know what you struggle with every day. Right. If you struggle with pornography, in the morning, you pray about that. Because if all you're thinking about is, I'm not going to look at pornography today, guess what you're going to end up doing? You're probably going to end up looking at pornography because it's the only thing on your mind. So all you're thinking about is not doing it. It's got to be replaced with what's going to supplement that, what's going to take over, Right? So you start praying, Lord, let me just be focused on the things you have for me today. Lord, let me let me be in your word. Let me, let me start watching things on TV that glorify you. Or maybe I get rid of my TV. Maybe I get rid of my computer, whatever it is. But I'm going to start taking actions, Lord. Let me have those actions that are going to counteract what I've been doing wrong. Not trying to stop it. If you have an alcohol problem, you don't just stop trying to dr- stop. Uh, you don't try to stop drinking. We know from 12-step programs, you replace it with something better. And that's what you do. When you struggle, you don't try to stop what you're struggling with. You replace it with what's good from God. You don't try to replace it with your menstrual rags. You should try to get what God has for you. You say, Lord, what do I need to put in this place? Maybe it's more prayer. Maybe it's, hey, I want you to actually... Stop staying at home where you're tempted and get out and start doing this other stuff. David never would have felled and 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 had an affair and then killed a man if he was where he should have been to begin with. Scripture says he was supposed to be kings were supposed to be at war and he wasn't. Instead, he's like, I'm gonna stay home and I'm gonna see what happens now. He put himself in a place of temptation. But if he would have just said, Lord, what would you have me doing? The Lord said, just like David always did. If David prayed, he succeeded. When he didn't pray, he fell. And he wasn't where he was supposed to be. But if he would have prayed, God would have said, hey, I want you to be at war. And I'll tell you what, God probably wants you to be at war. He probably doesn't want you sitting at home. You may be at your house, but he doesn't want you sitting there. You can be at home praying. You can be at home studying. You can be at home having fellowship with Jesus. You can be in the church doing stuff. I'll tell you what, this last week we've had more people at war for this church than I've seen in years, right? And that's what we do. We have people at war because God said, hey, get busy. I'm calling you, right? But if you sit at home, that's when all these things of the flesh start popping in because we don't replace that stuff with what's good what's from the Lord. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, (laughs) peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, if I told you, when you leave here, go out and be more loving, hey, go out and show love to people, your first thought would be, well, maybe I'll go Uh, give somebody some money, Uh, maybe I'll go see if somebody needs help. And you would have all these ideas of how you're going to love somebody better. And guess what? It ain't going to be good. Because we try to do it on our own, right? That's what we do. But we know God is love, and the only way you show love is with God. And He's the only one who can show perfect love because we try and we fail. We fail. We make a mess of everything because that's what we do. But if God is love, that means he's the only one who can show perfect love. And he's going to do it with us just the same way he did from the beginning because he prepares us and he created us. And then when we're walking in his spirit, he can do it. But it takes us being led by the Holy Spirit, right? So if I'm like, hey, go out and show love today, And you're like, man, I need to pray. And you just spend time like, Lord, just show me how to love people today. And what if you woke up every morning and you said that? Lord, show me how to love people today. Lord, let me love people like you love them. And every day, that's your your thing. Instead of what usually happens when you wake up in the morning, especially when your alarm clock goes off, you're like, oh, man, I got to go to work. Man, I'm tired. I just wish I had a little bit more sleep. Oh, Lord, man, I just, I I don't want to do it today. It's Monday. Mondays are horrible. Right? And there's usually all this stuff going through your head that you're putting onto your life because it's just normal. It's what we do. Right? So I want you to think about, without your thoughts, I want you to think that when you woke up this morning, the first thing you did, and I don't want you telling me because we don't need to know, but I want you to think of the first thing you did when you woke up this morning and then what you did after that and what you did after that and what you did after that is probably a routine of what you do every day. And you just keep doing it, right? And some of you have done the same routine for 20 years. Some of you done it 30 years. Some of you 40 years. Some of you learned your routine from your parents. And that's the same thing with the way we act and the way we live. It's a routine that we go through every day because we never changed how we did stuff. Some of you guys have anger that was handed down from your parents as a hand-me-down, and you put it on every day when you wake up. You wake up and you're just mad. You don't even know why. Everything just makes you mad. And you put it on every day. Well, my dad was mad. My mom was mad. It's just part of who we are. right? And then some of you get up and you're like, I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. I can't do anything right. My parents were failures. I'm a failure. It's just the way it is, and you put it on every day, right? And then some of you are like, you wake up in the morning, you're just like, I'm tired. Man, I'm always tired. And you don't even know why you're tired. You're just always tired. But whenever you were a kid, your parents were always tired, and they were always like, oh, I'm so tired. Or maybe your friends that you're around are always talking about they're tired. That's a, the that's a number one thing I ever hear from people. And I'm like, how are you doing? They're like, I'm tired. I'm like, what are you tired for? And they're like, oh, I've been working. Well, how long have you been working? Oh, about 40 hours. That's not, even, you know, that's not even half your day. You know, that's not even close. That's a third. And only five days a week. So there's, there's, there's ways that we can get over our mentalities. There's a way we can get out of our ruts of what we do every single day. But it's not by waking up and doing the same things we've always done, waking up from those hand-me-downs that our parents gave us, right? Some of you wake up in the morning and you're just anxious. You're like, I don't know. My parents were always anxious, I'm always anxious. I don't know. It's just a it's a it's a trait that's handed down. And don't get me wrong, I know some of these things are, are legit, but they can be changed. They can at least be worked on. Instead of just going through what you've always went through, right? You put it on immediately. You're like, ah oh, or are too busy. Oh, I got too much to do today. Oh, I got way too much to do today. Why well, start saying you have too much to do today before you even start it? You don't even know. Right? You're already you're already putting yourself up for failure before you even start because you're putting limitations on yourself. But we do that, right? Oh man, I got so much to do. You know, if you start praying about that stuff and you wake up and you're like, Lord, I just want to do what you have for me today. Uh, let me just glorify you in it. Let's, Lord, I, I don't want to do more than what you, you want me to today. Bless yourself in it. You know what ends up happening? Trust me, I know because I've done this something I really worked on in my life. I used to do way too much stuff for sure. I did what God called me to do, very poorly probably, and then all the stuff I thought I should be doing. And I would do that, and then I would go throughout my day, and I'd realize, like, I'd be like, I didn't get a lot of stuff accomplished. There a lot of, I did a lot, but I didn't accomplish anything. But when I changed the way I lived, and I started praying, God, what would you have me do today? At the end of my day, I realized, like, I got some stuff done today, but it wasn't that bad. I didn't even have that much to do. You know why? Because God will never give you more than he can do through you. Never. Never at the end of the day should you be sitting at home and be like, I can't believe I didn't accomplish everything. Instead, you should say, man, God, I appreciate you for doing everything in me that you've called me to do. If God's leading your life and guiding you, What gets done is on him, and what doesn't get done is on him. Because it's his plan, not yours. So we need to live that way. Stop adding more to yourself than what God's calling you to do. But also, don't replace what God's calling you to do for the things you want to do. Right? It makes for an unhealthy meal. The way, the way God showed me how to do this, and I've shared it with some of you, is for me, whenever I wake up in the morning, I've, I've learned that God's going to serve my food. He's going to serve my day to me on a plate. And if you're healthy, it'll be a balanced diet, right? I'm not talking about food because my, my food diet isn't as healthy. So don't judge me on that when we're talking about life. So it, uh, so when I wake up, I can say, hey, here's what I want you to have today. And he's going to have the meal set up for me, right? He's going to have a good dose of prayer here and work and whatever else. And he's going to put it on there. And I can do a couple things there. I can start praying. It's like, okay, Lord, let me know how you want me to eat this. Let me know what you want me to do with it. And I can do that. And I can walk through the day and do the things God has called me to do. Or I can start saying, yeah, but I also need to do this. And I can add it to that plate yeah, I also need to do that and I can put it on a plate. I don't know if I'm going to get to this thing, Lord, so I'm going to move this over into that place. I can start rearranging what God has called for me to do, right? If you've ever been on a diet, it never works when you start replacing the stuff you want with the stuff you need. Right? As much as I like ice cream, if I was on a diet and I take off my, I don't know, chicken, and I put ice cream in its place, it's probably not going to be a very healthy diet. Boy, it'd be a joyful one, but it doesn't work. that. (laughs) It'd be a happy one. That's right. Not joyful. It'd be happy. That's good. Yeah. That's right. We get happy from our own stuff. But if I start doing that, a couple things happen. First off, I'm going to get full quicker than I can accomplish everything on my plate. Right? Same thing with your day. Your day is going to end before you can get everything done that you need to get done. You may eat some of the stuff you should have never ate before you get to what God's given you. So the things not getting done aren't even the things of God The things are the things of God instead of the things of you. Because if you're putting it on a plate, you're probably actually going to make sure that's done before the stuff God's given you. And if you're eating only what God gives you, By the end of the day, you're a lot healthier than you were before you started. Because that diet's working. But that doesn't just go for the things of of, of busyness. That goes for your whole life. Right? Whenever you wake up and you're anxious about everything getting done, what if you said, hey God, I'm just going to do what you say. You told me you'd take care of things. I'm trusting you today, Lord. And I'm giving it over to you. And you really did that? What if you really trusted God with everything? And then you just let Him have it. And you didn't pick it back up and try to control it. You know how much joy you would truly have in your life? Trust me, a whole lot. Because it's not about you anymore. and It's not your righteousness. It's His righteousness that's filling things. And that's the way we do our lives. We start putting these garments on that are of God instead of these garments that are handed down from our family or from, from the things we've seen or from what the... What schools may have taught us to do, or maybe, you know, Ann could come to me and she could say, Hey, Eddie, uh, this is what I do every day. You should do it. You know, that's a garment I shouldn't be wearing. I love Ann. I trust Ann. If Ann comes to me, I'm going to probably put it under good prayer consideration. But if it's not from God, I don't need it. I don't put that garment on me. Going back to the garment of praise, when you wake up in the morning, And your first thought is, I don't want to start my day. Guess what? You're off to a horrible start. If the first things you start doing in the morning is complaining, there's a huge problem. You are going to be not only an unhappy person, you're definitely not going to have joy in your day. But if you wake up and the first thing you do is put on that garment of praise and you're like, Lord, thank you for another day to serve you. Lord, I'm grateful that I have a bed that I woke up in. Maybe you don't have a bed. Maybe you're sleeping on the floor, but you have a floor. Not everybody does, right? If you wake up in the morning, you start praising the Lord for what He has given you and who He is and what He's done in your life. If you're like me, you're really deserving of nothing except for hell. Or as Dave Brandon usually says, the hottest pits of hell. But it's because of what God did and what Jesus did that we have what we have, and who we are is who we are. But Jesus paid that price. Right? It has nothing to do with us. I did nothing to deserve to be where I'm at, I did a whole lot to deserve to be in hell. And I praise God that I don't have to go there. Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. The sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger. Rage. Malice. Slander. Filthy language from your lips. Can I tell you guys, that doesn't just mean cuss words. Any language that is not pleasing to the Lord probably falls underneath that menstrual rag thing. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. Here there is no Gentile
1: or Jew. Uh Uh-oh. Circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but
2: Christ is all and in all, therefore as God's chosen people. God's chosen people. I don't know about you, but I like that. I want to be God's chosen people. Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion. Right? I does not mean try to have compassion. That means clothe yourself with it in the morning. Lord, let me be a compassionate person. Lord, help me show compassion to those around me. Let me tell you, I'm not a compassionate person by nature. Not at all. I am the type of person that if you mess up, you probably deserved it. I'm the type of person, if you get hurt, oh well, walk it off. If you're going through a rough time, hey man, it'll get better. I'm that kind of person. But when I pray, because I realize that, at, and knows, I realized that a long time ago that I'm not compassionate. So I had to start praying about it every day. Lord, help me be compassionate. I want to be able to show compassion to people because I don't have it, but you do. You know what happens when you surrender that to the Lord? It becomes one of your best traits because it's not your trait. You're able to show compassion like God shows compassion, not the way you would have. Right? kindness. What if I pray up, Lord, in the morning, God, just help me be kind. I'm a jerk. I don't want to be a jerk. I want to be kind. Humility. (laughs) I need to do this one too. Lord, help me be humble. I want humility. Humility doesn't mean cutting yourself down or or making less of what God's done in you or who you are. It's actually making less of what you're doing and giving the glory and honor to God because it's His, right? Gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on that love which binds them all together in perfect unity. If we're going to continue to stay unified, it's going to take love, and it ain't going to be your love. It's because you're praying every day, Lord, let me love people the way you love them. Lord, you love people through me. If that's the stuff we're putting on every day when we start our day, ooh, that to be good. Josh can't go to work as a state trooper and say, hey, I'm going to wear my comfortable clothes today, I'm going to be so relaxed. It's going to be the best day of work ever because I don't have to wear the uniform they provided for me. And he'll have no respect. Nobody will recognize who he is. Nobody will give. He won't be able to walk fully into the authority he has because he's not the way he should be. And it's the same with the representatives of Christ. We walk through his authority and in his authority because we're clothed in that. It's the only way you have authority. Nobody even recognized the seven sons of Sceva. They said, "Ah, we don't know you. Who are you? We recognize Paul. We know Jesus. Who are you? I don't want that. I would hate to show up to a fight and Satan say, who are you? Instead, I want to show up to a fight and him saying, wow, Jesus is all over that one. I see him. Right? That's what you want. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it to the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And Ryan, you can come on up. Um, one thing I need to do before we leave. It's not something I was thinking of before until the other night. I felt like God told me this has to happen. And I need you to understand that every one of us, every one of us, from Pastor Chad all the way down to somebody who's hardly ever here, Every one of us are very much deserving of the pit of hell. Every one of us. Nothing we do is good enough to make it to heaven. Nothing. Not one of you. Not me. And it's only because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for him coming and living a perfect life. Think of that. You're in heaven and you say, hey, you know what? Father, I'll go down and I'll live the perfect life for those people. In that broken, disgusting world, I'm going to go down and I'm going to live and show that it can be done. I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, the last thing I want to do is leave. But Jesus did that. He said, "You know what? I'm going to go down and I'm going to live for you. And I'm going to die for you. I'm going to go to hell and pay the cost of your sins." He went to hell. And I don't know about you, I've been through some rough times here and there, and I know some of you have been even rougher times, and that's nothing compared to hell. Not even close. And he went through way worse than anything we would ever go to because he loves us. That good news Isaiah is talking about is that very thing that whenever we believe in Jesus Christ and we submit ourselves to him, we have the promise of everlasting life in heaven never will we ever have to face hell when we put our belief in Jesus Christ never that's the good news and we know that that's not just a prayer that is something we live out and because he did that we ought to do the same and live for him but he paid that cost Not you. Not your parents. Not our pastor. Not me. Jesus did that. Because he loves you. If you were the only one, he would do it again. But he doesn't have to. It only has to happen once. But every day we should remember that. And every day we should live as if Jesus Christ paid that cost. And we should also live as if He's worthy of our lives. He didn't die so one day we would be able to go to heaven. He died so we would have heaven now. He died to make a way for us to be warm with Christ, with the Father in Him. He died so we can be His representation again. Jesus did that. Don't ever forget it. We take it for granted. But part of putting that garment of praise on is we should be praising Him every moment of every day over what He did for us. That's praise. And if you ever get to a point to where you think you shouldn't praise, praise more for it. Right? Because you're going to spend eternity praising God for that and worshiping Him. I'm going to ask you guys to to stand and we're going to worship here. And I don't know, I think I know, but I don't know where you're at with your walk with Christ, but I want you guys to be praying about that. If you need prayer, we're here. I don't care if it's for, for salvation. I don't care if it's because you're struggling, because you're putting on the wrong things in the morning on your life you need a change, if you need healing, I don't know what your prayer need is, but we're here to pray with you. Don't think you have to walk alone. We have leaders that want to pray with you today. Okay, so this altar is open. Maybe you're like, I don't want to go up to the altar. Find a trusted brother or sister in the Lord here to pray with you. But we don't want you to walk out here without prayer. We don't want you to walk out here feeling like you're still lacking something. We want you to be right where you need to be when you leave here. You need to be righteous in Him, not righteous in yourself. So the altar is open.
0: was a minister, he's going to close here in a second, but uh, something the Lord put on my heart was uh, there was a story, I may have ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth, kind of a funny name if you've never heard of him, but uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth was a very humble man, uh, died around the middle part of the 1900s, around 1950. And uh, just went all around the world. And uh, there are newspaper articles from around the world of the miracles that came uh, during his ministry. And uh, there was one time that a person came and met him. who was very famous. And very, like I said, very humble and loved the Lord. spent the time constantly in the presence of the Lord. And uh, he, uh, somebody had said that had heard of him that he was a great man and church I really want you to hear this because uh, he just began to weep and he wasn't I don't think a real emotional man but he just began to cry and weep and uh, they wondered what they had said wrong and he just began to cry and say poor Wigglesworth, poor Wigglesworth he said I'm a failure all these things that God's done through me and all you see is me and church can I tell you it's not just a good sermon that God's trying to tell us today we're actually in his way if everything you do is motivated by people seeing you in your ministry you've been wrong all along God can't work with that God won't work with that God won't do what he wants to do in this world through that. If all your motivation is, who's going to see me? Who's going to look at me? Who's going to think I'm great? We failed. That's what he's trying to say. That's the message that God put on his heart today is we're spending so much time and it's about me, 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 and me. And God's saying, if we're going to do what he wants us to do in this world, how many of you know it has to be Him? Because one thing I've learned is the way God wants to do it is almost never the way I want to do it. And church, we've, we've just got to repent of that. We're never going to be used to God. You say, man, it feels so good when people see how good I am, how wonderful I am, and how my ministry is so great, and how all the things I'm doing to change the world telling you church repent of that because god wants to make himself great see can, can i tell you something here's why it's so important people see through that people see your self-righteousness and they just see right through it they understand what you're trying to do bring glory to yourself and what i'm saying is if we'll humble ourselves and lay that down and say god today do what you want to do with me." because you know what nine times out of ten or maybe ten times out of ten the only way he can do something through you is for you to be have humility and be humiliated because everything that God wants to do humiliates me right because I want to glorify me he wants to glorify himself and they're never going to see him as they keep looking at you amen does everybody understand where the heart of that is we got to throw that self-righteousness down. The world is tired of seeing self-righteous people. They want to see people that truly care about them and truly want to see change in their life and help them in their life. And, uh, so really think about that this week. Really be challenged by this message. Any close the word of prayer.
2: hard to ask in prayer. Sometimes it's even hard to know what to ask in prayer. Uh, so I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head. If you're somebody who, who doesn't know where you're at with the Lord today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And if you're also somebody who's struggling to walk in Christ's righteousness, Instead of your own, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're somebody who's looking for guidance from the Lord and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're somebody who's been too busy, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're somebody who just has other struggles, I want you to raise your hand. And I'm going to pray for everybody. Well, oh, Father God. You see our hands, Lord. You know where we're at, God. Lord, I pray you would help us. You would strengthen us to be able to walk the way you want us to walk, that you would, you would guide us in your path. Lord, I pray that at any time that we're trying to do things in our own righteousness, any time our flesh gets in the way, Lord, I pray you'd be quick to speak to us, Lord. God, I pray you help us to have the strength to walk in your righteousness. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to get rid of the things that we've put on our plate, Lord, that you would help us to walk in, in only what you're wanting us to do. Lord. God, I pray for all of our struggles. Lord. Some of us, Lord, the flesh is so strong that we don't even realize that it is combating what you're wanting to do, Lord. So I pray if that's the case, that you would reveal it to us, Lord. God, we want to be a part of what you're doing, Lord. We want to be completely sold out for you. We want to walk, Lord, that when we walk out of this place, people see you immediately, God. Lord, every day, God, I pray that people do not see us, but they see you. We want to be great representations of you. Lord, I want to see souls saved for what you're going to do here. Lord. God, guard our hearts as we go, go out of this building, Lord. Let us not just be on fire for you when we're together, but even when we're away, Lord. Keep us safe in that. Let us walk in your righteousness. And let us love people the way you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys are released.